You know, in life, outside of just like product, like warning things, there are some things that just seem really obvious, but we miss the point a whole lot. Like the Old Testament, as you read through the Old Testament, you would think, Israelites, you guys have to be idiots. Like you've missed so many things. God has done so many incredible things. Robert, you can just go to the live sense line. Um, they, they, it seemed like they missed so many things, but in our own lives, we do the same thing all the time. People on the outside looking in at our own lives, I'm talking about even for myself, they look at JJ's life and go, that dude's an idiot, <laughs> right? Like you just, you just miss so many things, especially when it comes uh, to the things of God. We miss a lot. And one of the number one things that sneaks up on us a lot, just humans in general, and you see this throughout the Old Testament, is idolatry. In case you're not familiar with that terminology, whether you're a Christian or not, anything, anything or any person that in your life is placed at a higher importance or higher value than Jesus is idolatry. That's an idol. It has become an idol, something that you hold as higher importance or value than Jesus. The hard part is, is we, it, this happens really in kind of a subtle way. And that's what we're going to dive into tonight uh, as we go to uh, Acts chapter 19. This is our last week of our Live Sent series. And tonight is much more of a warning. So like the first week was a call, like reminding us, those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, our call is to go and share the gospel. That like a part of living sent is that you are sent by Jesus to go into your context where you are to share the gospel with as many people as you can, right? And then last week we talked about discipleship, specifically more Christian community, about how important it is to be in Christian community in small groups and one-on-one conversations with other Christians, really legitimately talking about spiritual things to help iron sharpen iron, right? And so, but, and so those are things like we do. Tonight is more of a warning. And it could seem like a really silly thing at first. You're like, I don't, I don't worship idols, right? Like, because we think of idols a lot in like, his, like a historical context, like little statues and different things that are like false gods and those kind of things. See, but you remember the, the definition of an idol is anything or person that gets placed at a higher importance or value than Jesus, which means it doesn't have to be some false god. It could be anything. It could be anything. Could be a sport, could be a, a girlfriend, boyfriend, could be anything that you place of a higher importance. So, what I want us to see in Scripture, the Book of Acts. In case you're not familiar with the Book of Acts in general, it is is basically just a history book of what happened in the real, like the very beginning of the Christian church after Jesus left, and these people begin to spread the word of the gospel. This is like the the history book, uh, early, early, early church. Uh, like Paul and all the apostles, the things that they encountered and things that they did. A lot of it's about Paul. And uh, it's really interesting. So in James, we're told that faith without works is dead. And here in Acts, one of the things that's cool about history, and I'm not really even like a big like history buff, but like history in general, if you're paying attention, can teach you things, right? You can learn what to do and what not to do. Most of the time as you read through history, it's what not to do, right? In Acts, a lot of what we see here are examples mostly of what to do. There are some examples of things not to do here in Acts, but a lot of it is examples of what to do. And so what I find really cool is Acts gives us examples of some of the practical teaching you find in other parts of Scripture. So James, like I just said, tells us that faith without works is dead. And if you read through the Paul of life, 
the Paul, the life of Paul. I can't say things tonight. If you read through the life of Paul, I think he, as perfectly as an imperfect person can, lives this out. He does a lot of work, works hard for Jesus. But you know that every single step of it was filled with faith. Every single bit of it. Every ounce of courage and boldness that he seemed to have all began with his faith. Now, there are lots of examples of people who've gotten that particular thing out of whack. The Pharisees were some of those. The Pharisees were people who had gotten so focused on the works that they were supposed to be doing for God, the rules that they were supposed to be following for God, that they had forgotten about the relationship. They had forgotten about the faith element of things. And Paul talks about this too. I think, I think we, in today's time, often fall more into this category where we focus so much on the faith and the grace of things that we forget that there are actually like rules and commands that we're supposed to follow. And in our culture, like we, I mean, I, I, probably it's just a human thing in general, but it feels like in our culture a lot, uh, we super don't love to be told what to do. Uh, and so anything that, anytime we start to talk about what God says, that you're supposed to do this, well, you're like, well, like we all grumble about that. Like none of us like to be told what to do. But what we see, as you read through, and we're not going to be able to read through all of it, but what we see in Paul's life is, I think, a re- a, an embodiment of that balance of faith and works. So in the last chapter, we talked about Apollos, but then even before that, we talked about Paul. He, hang, he hung out in uh, Corinth for a year and a half, traveled some, a few other places, and then when we fi- catch up with him here in 19, he is in Ephesus, He's been going to the synagogues. Remember we, uh, last week we talked about Apollos, and one of the things that he did was go into the synagogues and in the temples, and he would publicly teach and even debate with the other religious leaders and things like that because that was a really common thing to do in the culture and in that time. And, and we find Paul doing the same thing. And I want you to jump to verse 10 in chapter 19. We're going to jump around in this section a little bit because there's a lot of story here, but I just want to hit the highlights. Verse 10. So this is Paul going daily to the temples and to the synagogues and stuff and teaching these things out. And he says, this continued for two years. So Paul did this for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so Paul, in all of his journeys, one of his main things to do was to do that, to us to go into the synagogues, go into the temples and all that. And because of Paul's work in that and continual boldness and sharing the gospel and talking about God and talking about Jesus, the Messiah, right? What we know as Asia Minor, what they knew as Asia in the time, everyone had heard. Now, that, that, I mean, there were probably some people who had not heard, but what they were saying is basically every town, every part of Asia has had someone there sharing the gospel. That's huge. That's incredible. That's most of the known world at the time that this was written, right? That, has now, that had now heard about Jesus because Paul continued to walk in faith, to walk in boldness, but to continue to do the work day in and day out. If you fast forward up to verse 19, he starts working, uh, you see where he's worked with some of the people specifically. Um, verse 18, I don't know if I said 19, but 18. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. These people, because of the work that Paul was doing and sharing the gospel, and this is not, and Paul would say that's not to his credit. 
This is all because of faith and works and balance. It was all Jesus. It was all the Holy Spirit. Actually, the key verse there is verse 20. Verse 10 alludes to this already, but verse 20 says, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So this is the work of God's word. Paul was just faithful to continually share the word. Paul knew that it wasn't by his own abilities. It wasn't by his own strength. It wasn't by any of this that, that it actually would work. He could get up and talk in his own strength. He was an intelligent man and he was trained in that way. But it was on, the only reason he had power and the only reason it was successful is because it was the word of God. If you don't know what prevail means, most of you should. All right, if you don't know what that means, that's, that is to, to basically beat an opponent, to be more powerful than your opponent. So one of the big questions I think for us in our lives is, is the word of God more powerful than the opponents you face in your life? And I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about like things like temptation, idolatry, those things. Is the word of God actually prevailing in your life? Is the word of God prevailing in your life enough that you have whatever ounce of courage you can muster to actually talk about Jesus with the people around you. Now, some of this is, is kind of a, it's a learned dip your toe in and kind of get, work your way in. If, you, if you've ever heard me tell stories, I'm scared of what, like two main things mostly. Anybody? Snakes, yeah, that's one. What's the other one, anybody? Heights, right? Terrified of heights. Anybody familiar with the, the pyramid in, not uh, Egypt, but the pyramid in Memphis? Anybody familiar with that? It's now Bass Pro Shop, used to be, uh, it was the basketball team's place, wasn't it? Before that. Anyway, so at the top of this thing, they have this like glass walkway uh, that you can like walk out on. And my whole family, like they were all wanted to do this. And I was like, this sounds silly. Uh, one, I'm a big dude and I shouldn't be walking on glass. Um, things like this, especially when you're like really, really crazy high. And, uh, and so my whole family goes and just walks straight out there. And I'm like, you know, kind of feeling it out take a step, like, kind of like do this number, you know, like, and I'm like, my heart's like racing like crazy. I'm terrified that like this whole thing is just going to collapse or whatever it is. And, uh, and even, even then I kind of got like, okay, this is obviously lots of people and people bigger than me have walked out there. That's the problem, right? Even if they're bigger than you, maybe they've cracked it already and they've, they've loosened it and then I'm going to fall, right? Like any of this can happen, right? It's when you're scared, like all these thoughts just kind of like race through. Uh, but the heights thing is really funny too, because uh, once you, I kind of get settled into like, okay, I'm on glass. And most of the time I actually, there were like metal like beams that were between the glass and I would usually walk over those more than I would the actual glass. Um, I'm just trying to survive, Joey. That's I'm just trying to live, man. Right. But when I, you get to the edge, you're just like, if I push on this rail, am I going to like fall over? Right. And I'm normally not like a worry, like cautious, overly cautious person in life. But when it comes to heights, for whatever reason, I'm terrified. We have this uh, lift here at the church uh, that will go up pretty high. Like it'll go up and change the lights and things like that, even in the sanctuary, which is a higher ceiling and that kind of thing. But I get like 15 feet in the air on that thing and it like shakes and I like want to pee my pants. Like, and I know, like I know in my brain that this thing is literally created to hold me. Like its whole job is to hold me and not fall. <laughs> but in my mind, like when I go up to like, if I ever have to mess with these lights, which I've had to do, I'm up there going... <laughs> You know, it's like this whole deal. I'm, I'm like a huge baby uh, when it comes to those things. But I have continued to kind of work on that, especially with things like that. So if I have to like do work on the lift and, or like with the thing with my family, like I wanted to enjoy the thing with my family. And so I slowly eased my way into it. I got there, got calmed down and enjoy the view. And this is not like a praise of me, but like 
for a lot of you, I think the idea of talking about Jesus with the people at school is a terrifying thought. Like all of the, all of the worst case scenarios come through your mind. And I know because I, that, like, I was the same way when I was in school, right? Like even though I get up and talk about Jesus for a living, I was actually shy and not overly, like I was extroverted, but not, not like really, I was really shy in high school. And so the idea of having to like talk to people about Jesus and this whole deal, and if they like get mad at me or they think I'm stupid or like ask me a question I don't know the answer to, like all these things, right? But you do a little bit at a time. So this is not saying, oh, you have to immediately be like Paul and tell all of Asia about Jesus. Like that's not the deal. We ease our way into this and get to a point where we get more and more comfortable and we get to a point where we can build our confidence. So Paul was able to do what he did, to travel as much as he did, and to go into these places, and he did get threatened. Like, he got beaten and stoned and all kinds of crazy stuff, and he continued to do it and continued to push and continued to teach and continued to do the work. And all of that boldness and all of that courage came because of his trust in Jesus, his trust in the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's okay to take time to build that trust. It's okay to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip my toe into this and talk to someone about Jesus, like, and to work your way in. It is not okay, however, to just never try. To just never try. That is faith without works. You say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I have faith in Jesus, but I'm not going to do anything with that. James says that your faith is actually dead. Because our faith should lead us to the trusting in the commands of God and trusting that we are supposed to be doing these things. Again, it's not, it's not like the public preaching thing. It's just in your context. Because that's not something that we, like the whole like walk into a room and just start debating people is not what we do anymore uh, in any kind of beneficial way. And so whatever context you find yourself in, you've heard me say this over several weeks, but I think we just, we have to hear things, at least I do. I have to hear things a lot of times before it really sinks in, before I really grab it. And so this, this is why I keep talking about this, okay? But our call is to lean in and trust the Holy Spirit enough that you're willing to share the Word of God with the people around you. And the Word of God is what's going to prevail. The Word of God is what's going to succeed ultimately. And this doesn't mean every time you like, share the gospel with somebody, they become a Christian. That's not how that works. But over, over time, a little by, little by little, we work our way into trusting the Holy Spirit more and more and more. So if we truly trust the Holy Spirit and are letting him lead us, he's going to let us know what actions we need to take. So for the people in the verses we just read, what did they do, right? They, they had confessed the, the idolatry that they had done, the, the false gods that they had worshipped, all this, and some specifically mentioned uh, practice black magic, or didn't say black, but just practice magic, which is not of God, and that whole deal. And so they took all their books and whatever that, that was filled with, and they collected, and it told us that it was, uh, they added up the value to 50,000 pieces of silver. I, should, I don't know what the worth of that would have been at the time. I don't know what silver is worth now, but it's probably more now than it was then. I don't know. But either way, that's a lot. And they burned all of it. Because for them, it was such an idol that if it was still around, they were going to be tempted to go back to that. They were going to be tempted to, go, to, to lose trust 
in the Holy Spirit and go fall back into what they were doing before. See, for all of us, there are these things that, whether we want them to or not, slowly, subtly work their way into being idols throughout our whole lives. No matter how much you love Jesus, this is something, this is what we see in the Old Testament. These people who love God, over time, let outside influences influence them and pull them away from God, and they worship false gods. They place things to be of a higher value or importance than God. So this is something that all of us struggle with when you have to be watching for. You have to be looking for these kinds of things. And you have to remove the things in your life that will lead you to that. Sometimes it's taking action enough. Like, I'm not saying we need to go out and do some book burnings and stuff like that. Like, that's not what JJ is condoning. Don't go home and be like, uh, JJ said I can burn all my books because they caused me to stumble or whatever. You know, like, I did not say that. Fully. Um, but sometimes with idols, well, like a genuine idol, there is extreme action that needs to be take, taken. If social media is an idol, then maybe you need to delete, the, as hard as it would be, maybe you need to delete the app, delete the account, and get away from that. And you're like, whoa, easy there, JJ, right? But if it genuinely is something that causes you, that keeps you from growing in your faith, that has, has, placed a position, has been placed in a position in your life that is of more importance than Jesus, you wouldn't say that, but if you actually look at the time you spend doing those kinds of things, not just social media. It's like, like I said earlier, it could be anything. It could be sports, could be whatever. You're like, I spend a whole lot of time at school, JJ. I think it's idle. I should probably quit. That's not what I'm talking about, right? There are things in life we just have to do, right? Like you have to work, you have to do the things. That's not what an idol is, right? When you have time to do whatever you want to do, do you do the things of God? Or are you doing things of this world? I'm not saying that every second has to just be like, a monk and you don't get out and like have fun and the whole deal. But what I'm saying is if, if your time and thought process is always everything but Jesus, then there are a lot of things you need to get worked through and some things that you need to remove from your life. And there's different levels of things like maybe it's, it's just genuinely shifting your perspective of something. Sometimes it's completely removing whatever that is from your life. There's a lot of different things. And so this is where you have to lean in and trust the Holy Spirit, actually follow the Holy Spirit, and he'll let you know. Like if you're, like we talked about last week, if you're continually letting Scripture and the Holy Spirit remodel your faith, there will be idols exposed in your life that you need to do something with. And you trust the Holy Spirit to say, hey, that's something that you actually just need to completely remove from your life. Or that's something you need to take a break from for a while, break the habit, and then you can maybe work it into a healthy way in your life. There, so there are different levels of this. But you have to be listening to the Holy Spirit. You have to be letting the scriptures and the Holy Spirit remodel your faith constantly so that you know that what you're doing is placing Jesus at the forefront of your life. We've talked about them already, but like the nation of Israel did this. But even uh, Solomon, who was said to be the wisest man to ever live, right? And this is how I know that every single one of us can fall into this at any time. And this is not like there's a boogeyman around behind like every corner kind of thing, but it's just something that happens slowly and subtly. Solomon, who is said to be the wisest man to ever live, he was given that wisdom and given the success as a king as he, that he had because he had faith in God and had placed high value in worshiping God and following his commands and doing the things that God called him to do. But over time, Solomon allowed outside influences but he had, he had started doing what God had told him not to do and marrying all these wives from all these foreign nations and, all, and they brought in all of these false gods and all of these idols 
into, into the kingdom of Israel. And over time, they shifted his focus away from God and toward these idols, to these false gods. So guys, be real careful. No, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, that was, was going to be a joke about women leading you astray. Um, but uh, outside influences, though, that's what I'm talking about, right? Solomon, in all of his wisdom, if he was able to be led astray by outside influences, so were you and I, who were nowhere close to being as wise as Solomon was. So we have to be careful of these things. And I know this can be like, JJ, you're being like really doom and gloom right now, but I'm just telling you, this is, this is a really big deal. If you're, if you're serious about following Jesus, if you're serious about living sent, this is one of the number one things that will keep you from truly doing that, is allowing things in your life to pull your attention away from Jesus, to devalue Jesus in your life. So to live sent, we have to make sure that we are being primarily influenced by the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and nothing else. Nobody else, no thing, anything. We can have influences in, in life, but what I'm saying is our number one, our primary influence in life is Scripture. The reason I say you can have other influences is because last week I just did like a whole thing on how you need to be a Christian community and influence one another towards, stirring one another toward doing good works and that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is like the, the number one influencer of why you do what you do, how you, why you say what you say, why you think what you think, should be Scripture. The only, time, only, only way to do that is to spend time interacting with this. This is not one of those things where, like, you can sit, an example of faith and works not being in balance. You can sit and read this all day, every day, and if you never actually apply any of it to how you live your life, it, will never, it won't have any power in your life at all. And I'm not talking about, like, mystical, like, weird power. What I'm saying is, is like, the reason in Acts... 1920, it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily is because these people were listening to the scriptures, they were reading the scriptures, and they were literally applying it to their lives and following the things that God called them to do. That's why the scriptures had power in their lives, because they listened to the scriptures, because scriptures are something you have to interact with and something you take in and make a part of who you are. Let me pray, and then we're going to we'll have some announcements and then go to small group. Father, I thank you that you continue to love us even though our hearts wander continually, even though we over and over and over again find ourselves striving to want other things other than you. And I just pray that you would help every single one of us to stay focused on you, to focus on your word, letting your word prevail in our hearts and our minds and our lives day in and day out. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.